0: to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker and I here once again to continue breaking down all of the playoff matchups that are incoming. Uh, We're not sure when. We're not even sure if. (laughs) I guess there is always the chance that it doesn't actually happen but we're gonna we're gonna keep our positive self in here and we're gonna assume that yes this is all gonna happen. It's gonna happen how we want it to. Everyone's gonna stay safe and that's that's, uh, at this point, why, why not just assume everything's going to be good? Because uh, that's my hope. Uh, Justin, the 6-11 and 11 seeds are two, uh, two pretty good matchups, I'd say. Uh, we'll start with the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers. The uh, Carolina Hurricanes ranked 6th. The Rangers ranked 11th. And uh, a team that we said all year wouldn't make the playoffs. Of course, they're in the playoffs. And... Uh, Carolina though looking for i guess some revenge a rematch because they lost all four games to the New Jersey uh, New York Rangers uh going 0 and 4 through to four games this year
1: Yeah, I'll tell you this is this is a series that I'm probably most excited to see more than anyone uh in this this play in series here of five games just because I think the Rangers they're a team that Nobody really expected to make any waves. I think they were kind of like in this this weird rebuilding window and then sort of got hot. You know, they Zibinijad just came out of nowhere, and he's this electrics, you know, number one center that maybe, I mean, you and I maybe pegged as like a, a 1B number two center on, a you know, any other team. And
0: He still is. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, and of course, Artemi Panarin right now, you got to talk about him as, you know, a potential a heart trophy candidate. And so this team came on really, really strong towards the end of the season. They kind of battled their way up towards the standings and it would have been interesting to see, you know, them finish out the season where they may have ultimately landed. But, uh, and then Carolina, of course, we know from last year, those jerks, they're, uh, they're exciting to watch. So this will be a really, really fun series.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, let, let's, uh, we'll start and, and break this down positionally as we did uh, with the, with the previous uh, with the what was it five twelve? <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to put my you know my March Madness hat on. We get the five twelve, the six eleven. Uh, so l- for the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Montreal Canadiens, and the Oilers and the Blackhawks, we broke it down by position. And if you haven't heard that episode, it's our last episode. We uh, go back, subscribe to the show, listen to that one. It's a good one. But uh, let's start at the goaltending position where we kind of have this like Hall of Fame. One of the greatest goaltenders of his era playing for the Rangers and then the ragtag bunch of goaltenders for the Carolina Hurricanes.
1: Yeah, this one should be really interesting, especially when you look at the New York Rangers, right? I mean, uh, they basically got a three headed monster back there. And I mean, you talked about one of them in particular, the, the king himself, Lundquist, obviously. Um, you know, splitting time with the rest of these goaltenders. But towards the end of the season, I mean, we saw Shosturkin just take this team over. This is, I mean, unofficially, he's the goaltender of the future. I mean, there's no doubt about it at this point. He finished off the season through 12 games with a 9.32 save percentage and ultimately 10 wins through 12 games, which is pretty damn impressive. And, um, you know, when you look at Alexander Gorgiev, 17-14, and and Lundqvist at 10-12 and through the season, it leaves it a little bit of, you know, controversy here. You know, who do you start come the come to playoffs? And I, I got to think that ultimately the Rangers do go with Henry Lundqvist, the guy with the experience who's thrown this team on his back many times before and dragged them through the playoffs. I got to think they go to him and, you know, obviously Sisterkin's the guy to take over if maybe something doesn't go well through two or three games here.
0: Yeah, I think Gorgiev, unfortunately, even though he he did play really well, I think he just kind of finds himself as the odd man out here. Uh, sure. Which which probably is actually a good thing for him. He's gonna get traded here in the offseason, I'm sure. And he will uh you know he'll he'll sign. He'll be an RFA and he'll sign. He'll probably get a, a nice little raise from his seven hundred and ninety-two thousand that he's making this year, and he will likely become a pretty decent starter. We'll see if he becomes more of the the Cam Talbot type of ilk or if he can be the the Frederick Anderson. We'll see which which one he ends up becoming. You know, there's there's always that. You know, who are you going to become the guy who can become a starter somewhere, or when push comes to shove, when you go to start somewhere else, do you do you falter? So, uh, I mean, I guess Cam Talbot did have one good year, but <laughs> Georgiev is is yet another Rangers goaltender that finds him fi- finds a, a crowded crease here, and it's not even beca- necessarily because of Longfist this time. It's because of Shesterkin, and so uh, I I I agree. I don't think you can not start Lundqvist here. This this is probably the final hurrah for Lundqvist, and I I think that that may provide enough motivation. He might be able to to dig deep, find find himself differently, and and you know, hey, one last hurrah here because I mean, he's a UFA after the end of next year. But also, you consider that they wouldn't be in the they shouldn't be in the playoffs. I mean, we. At least the way the standings finished. Of course, they were they were only two points back of Carolina. They had some Carolina had games in hand, and uh, there were other teams ahead of them as well. But they were only a couple points back one point back of the Islanders, two points back of the Blue Jackets, two points back of the Hurricanes. So they they certainly had an opportunity to move into a playoff spot. But it would have been it would have been a challenge, I think, when when push came to shove down the stretch, it would have been a challenge. But we won't know. But I got to think, no one was expecting at the beginning of the year that this team would be in the playoffs. So why not go Lungfist one last time? And, I mean, the other thing that we're not thinking about necessarily is that this is only a five-game first-round series. So if you have two bad games, the series is over for the most part. You know, like, it's it's not it's not going to be – I think the rope might be shorter. Like, if Lungfist goes in and let five goals in in game one, he might be out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that would not surprise me in the least bit, and I, I got to say, the same is probably same or the the same is probably shared with the Carolina Hurricanes as well. I mean, you got to look at, you know, who they have in that as well. I think, you know, you've got Peter Mrazek and James Reimer back there, and two guys that obviously Morazic's your go-to guy starter, but I think one bad game and it, it's right back to Reimer.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I personally. You know, just, just knowing what Reimer had to go through in that Game 7, and and a lot of people blamed him for what happened. I mean, he was partially to blame, of course, but uh, I'm talking, of course, 2013 against the Bruins when he was the Maple Leaf. I, I would like to see some redemption for James Reimer. I, I really think that he truly is one of the good guys in this sport, and I, it would be really good to see. If he, if he does get the opportunity to play, uh, I would love to see kind of a, a revival story out of out of James reimer it'd be it'd be nice to see. But I I, I would assume that Peter Morazic will be the starter until he, you he know, gets uh, injured
1: again. <laughs> unla- well sure.
0: Yeah, that's the other that's the other side of it. We didn't even talk about injuries to Lundqvist, but uh who knows? I mean he's you know, you're not able to skate. You're not able to to do the same things that you'd normally do in an off season as a goaltender, which this is essentially an off season. It's an even longer one. And you got to wonder for Henrik Lundqvist, who's 38 years old, what kind of toll is this going to have on on him, I mean, on his body? You might think that the rest is good, but also with rest comes rust. (laughs) And and I I think that there there could be some irreshakable, irreshakable, that's that's my new word, some irreshakable rust. Uh, when you're that old and you need to be incredibly flexible and fast and you've had injury problems, I I think that I truly think this, this might be the final hurrah for, for Henrik Lundqvist, but
1: yeah, this will, this will be interesting. I mean, you've got two teams essentially that uh, score a lot of goals. They're both in the top 11 here. So this should be, should be fun for the goaltenders.
0: Yeah. New York Rangers top five in goals for per game. So they're, uh, I mean, they are scoring more than you'd think. Like, I don't think that anybody was thinking, "Oh, the Rangers are going to like score the lights out," but they really have. They've been fantastic. Uh, defensively, though, I think this is where we start to see a separation in talent. Uh, I mean, you don't have to look further than the Rangers trading away one of their top four D men to Carolina, Brady Shea, <laughs> at the deadline uh, to to know, hey, you know this, the defense. In New York well it is young and uh, certainly like an Adam Fox and Anthony D'Angelo and Jacob Truba who I mean Jacob Truba is 26 years old he's not he's not young anymore in terms of uh, playing age I, I they have some nice pieces really great defensemen like guys who I th- I think will be very good for a long time but holy mackerel the Carolina Hurricanes we're expecting Dougie Hamilton and Brett Pesci both to be out for the year. Now they get Dougie Hamilton back. And it's looking like Brett Pesci might be back. He might not make it back for this round. But who cares? (laughs) Because you have Jacob Slavin, Brady Shea, Jake Gardner, Joel Edmondson, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Hayden Fleury, along with Dougie Hamilton. Oh, and Sammy Votnin will be coming back as well they also have Jake Bean in the minors who did very well. And so, I mean, if there was an overload of injuries, they do have another player to pull up uh, onto their pro roster if they really, if, you know, that happened. Uh, as far as I can tell, this team has nine NHL, I, 10, 10 NHL defensemen. I mean, Jake Bean, if he's on almost any other team, I think he's at least on the bottom pairing. But yeah. in Carolina, he's in the minors, <laughs> and he's nowhere close to getting up because there's so many players ahead of him on the on the depth chart. I mean, there there is a chance. I mean, I think Trevor, like Hayden Flurry, he's he's probably the odd man out. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk as well. But there's a chance that if enough of these guys can all come back, like Jake Gardner, might not even be playing. He might be bench. <laughs> I I really don't know who is guaranteed a spot outside of, I, I think Slavin, Shea, and and Hamilton and Vatnun will all be if if they're all healthy they'll be in the lineup. That's really all I could could say that I'd guarantee. And then Pesci if he were to come back.
1: Yeah, this will this will definitely be interesting for the the Carolina Hurricanes because of course now you have this abundance of defensemen and you've been basically rotating guys all year long throughout your lineup due to injuries and you know and, and new acquisitions so you know finding the right combination of guys to work with you know whom on what side and what pairings you know is going to be it's going to be really interesting obviously you, you you already know what you're getting out of guys like Jacob Slavin and, and Dougie Hamilton but as far as you know who meshes well with everybody else it's just going to be it's going to be a free-for-all I think and I think you know the Hurricanes are going to have a lot of fun trying to figure out who who works well with who and uh, obviously, you know, when you look at the Rangers from this point of view, um, you know, they got obviously Mark Stahl, who's a little older, a little slower, but has the experience. But then, you know, there's the bevy of younger guys like Anthony D'Angelo and Adam Fox, guys that have never really been there and haven't really done much. So it'll be interesting to see really these matchups on D and so and I'm also interested to see for the Rangers if Brendan Smith, of course, uh, former Red Wing, what they do with him, if they actually let him play at defense or if they throw him back on the wing on the fourth line there.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, in in this five game series, I don't think I'm worried about experience. I mean, if you think about it, no one in the NHL right now has experience in a five game series in the in the NHL. Uh, I th- I think there's a five game series in in the AHL. There is the first, the first round. Yeah, uh, but as as far as the NHL competition goes, there's no five. There's been there hasn't been a five game series since the early '80s. Right, yeah, the early I, '80s. I think they had the five-game series. So,
1: yeah, and I think this is going to be advantageous for Carolina too, because if you get guys that you know maybe, like you said, have a little bit more rust, Carolina has the advantage to throw other guys in, right, to keep guys a little bit maybe more rested, or you know maybe give them more time to get their legs back underneath them. Whereas you know the Rangers have to go with what they have and hope it works.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, and and that's where maybe the. Well, there is definitely a skill advantage in Carolina's favor and the amount of bodies that they have that they could put back there if if they suffered injuries. But how much are injuries really going to play a factor in these five-game series? I'm sure that someone will go down with an injury in some of these series, but not to the extent that we maybe have seen in the past because players are so rested. uh, They're not going to come in with the same kind of – uh, grind that they had to experience playing eighty-two games and then coming into the playoffs. This is a fresh start, so I mean, of course you're going to see freak injuries, but you're not going to see those wearing down of a player type of like, oh, this guy just needs a he needs two weeks off because he's just so beaten down from the season. That that just isn't going to be the case. The the I guess the advantage for the Rangers might be that, like you said, they know exactly who's going to play for them, and so there's no question. There's not going to be line juggling. There's not a who's going to gel with who type of question, and there's not the controversy of hey, there's three or four of you who are legitimate NHL defensemen who are not going to play in the playoffs or not going to play every game. Uh, so Very I, well put. I, I think that that's it'll be it'll be interesting to see, but ultimately I think I give the nod to the Hurricanes' uh, big advantage, especially. After you get past the the first four defensemen or so, I mean, and that that can make a huge difference. I mean, those guys, instead of their top pairing having to play 25, 26 minutes, I mean, almost everybody can play between 18 and 22 minutes. And you're not going to see much of a drop in performance, whereas for the Rangers, uh, they're going to need to play some guys significantly more than others. Uh, So you may see a drop in performance there. Uh, Let's move up the lineup into the forward position uh where the let's start with the new york rangers uh you talked a little bit about zabinejad so let's start at i guess the center position
1: yeah i you look down the middle right obviously zabinejad your number one a 40 goal score this year uh and amazingly 41 goals through 57 games which is just an incredible pace Uh, so should be exciting to see what he can do and especially considering he's not on the line most of the time with our temi panarin so um but then when you go a little bit further down the lineup for the rangers you start to look at their center depth past him and that's when it gets a little bit shaky obviously um they've got ryan strome there who's cemented himself i think as their number two center but you know outside of that you've got guys like craig mccraig and um you know brett howden and you start question marks right like what are you going to get out of these guys come playoff times? And um, I think, you know, obviously you're going to see Zabinajan and Strom out there for, I mean, easily, I think, 20, 18 minutes apiece for both those guys. And yeah, you're going gonna to see, yeah, you're not going to see much time out of the the third and fourth guys here. So, um, you know, it'll be really, you know, can the, the third and fourth line guys chip in just a little bit when they get the opportunity, but can, you know, a guy like Ryan Strom hold down the fort on that second line? Because when you have to pair up, Against you know whatever pairing you get on defense from Carolina, which is going to be phenomenal either way, it's it'll be interesting to see what they get.
0: Yeah, I I think when I when I look at both these forwards, I, the forward groups, obviously you love Sebastian Aho. I mean, my first thought is to immediately go Aho versus Panarin, <laughs> like that's there's the, there's your two best players. I, I know Ajo mostly plays at center, uh, Panarin exclusively on that left side. Uh, they're probably going to see a lot of each other is my guess. Uh, either that or you're going to have Jordan Stahl be the, all right, go shut down Zabinijad Panarin and, and take Vince Trocek, Trocek with you. I mean, we didn't really get to see a whole lot out of Trocek as a Carolina Hurricane. Uh, so I I do think that's yet another, I mean, in seven games, he, he did only have two points. Uh, so he didn't exactly shine, but... It's kind of a moot point. We know what we're going to get from Vince Trocek. He can score goals. He's going to score goals, and I, I think in the in during this time, they they probably have had a lot of opportunities to figure out where where to place him and how he fits in the lineup a little bit better. Uh, but when I when I consider, hey, you, know, you got Trocheck, Stall, Aho, and then even down into the to the bottom six with the Jordan Martinuk and Martin Nikas, like they have some guys that can play centered in the bottom six. Uh, which is where I see the big advantage for the Hurricanes is once you get outside the Rangers' top six, there is a significant drop-off, and the, the Hurricanes have some guys who can score in their bottom six.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think you, you talked about it a little bit, right? Obviously, Vincent Trocheck coming over from Florida at the deadline. And so he's going to be kind of looked at to anchor. I think that second line and you're going to see Jordan Stallmore as a shutdown guy against, you know, the top scores for the Rangers. But um, again, when we talk about the bottom six, right, we look at guys that I think can be difference makers. And one of those big names is Justin Williams. I think, you know, obviously the big talk was him getting a lot of rest coming back later in the season, but now he gets even more rest. And for a guy, you know, a little bit up there in age, still 11 points through the 20 games he played, not bad production for a third line guy, and so you're going to see a lot of him playing those third line minutes. And then, of course, you know, obviously, right now towards the end of the season, they had Nino Niederreiter in that bottom six. Whether or not he stays there, you know, or whether he moves up will be one thing. And then, of course, another guy, Warren Fogle, who can obviously make an impact and score a goal here or there. So, again, I I agree with you. I think Carolina's bottom six is really where you're, you're going to see the difference if Carolina's going to win the series. I think their ability to score goals when they're not matching up those top two lines will be critical
0: yeah it'll it'll be interesting to see who can kind of step up for the rangers uh obviously you're looking you're looking at a guy like capo kaiko i mean it'd be it'd be great if you could get some extra production out of him after only scoring 10 goals in his rookie season uh which which in my mind is that is a disappointment like he he hasn't been great He's been okay. He hasn't been awful, but he has. I'd say that it's been disappointing. And a lot of times we see from season to season, a really young guy is able to kind of pull things together coming into the next year. So I would look to to Capo Keiko, uh, Julian Goche in the AHL last year for the Hartford Wolf or for the Charlotte Checkers. I'm sorry, in 44 games he had 26 goals. Uh, so a possible guy who could chip in in the bottom six. Who uh, not a lot of people are looking to. He's he only played twelve games in the regular season and they were uh, flipped around, you know, in different places. And so I, I think he may get an opportunity. And uh, Philip Scheidel, I mean, we'll see if he can kind of rise to the occasion as well. Uh, he he had sixty in sixty games. He had fourteen goals, and that's you know that's a good a good start, I guess, for uh, a guy who I mean. His rookie season was two years ago. He had 23 points in 75 games. He uh, has the same amount of points. He's scoring a little bit more goals in fewer games. So I, I think he is a guy who's getting better. Um, but it really, it's this top, this bottom six for the Rangers that I don't think can hang on against the Carolina Hurricanes. There's there's guys that I like down there, guys that could make a difference. But I, I just look at that backstage. The back defense for Carolina is so good. It's there's not going to be any point where it lets up. And there's so many puck movers. It's going to be really difficult to uh for the Rangers, I think, to to keep the puck out of their own zone and to gain possession in Carolina's end.
1: Yeah, and you look at the the guy who's behind the bench for Carolina, right? Ron Francis. They go like this guy goes, and um I'm sorry, Rob Brendamore. And so they they move like this guy, right? So he, he wants fast, he wants quick, he wants you know them to go full force all the time. And so, you know, they're they're going to need production on Caco, Brendan Lemieux, these guys in the bottom six, which I honestly just don't think they can keep up, given what's you know on Carolina's back end.
0: Okay, so what is your prediction for this series?
1: I will take Carolina in four games.
0: Okay, I'm I'm going to go I'm going to go Carolina in five. Uh, Mr Game 7 he uh, he won't have the opportunity to play in a game 7 because you know, it's a best <laughs> of 5 but he will score a goal in game 5 and just continue to cement himself as one of the greatest elimination game players of all time. That's a very specific prediction but you can take it to the bank. All right? Uh, let's okay let's let's go on to our other 6-11 series. Uh, the Nashville Predators and the Arizona Coyotes, two teams that I think had somewhat of a disappointing season for both teams. Uh, given what the Arizona Coyotes did in the off season, bringing in Phil Kessel, trading for Taylor Hall, and and signing Oliver Ekman Larson, like there's just so many good things that have happened to this team, and it just seemed like they were there, but then they weren't. And of course they're they're getting this opportunity. This is like their their swan song here because they probably weren't going to make the playoffs if if you know when the season had, had started, they were they were quite a decent amount back and things just weren't looking great. But here's their opportunity and they go up against a team who it I mean, I don't know if there was ever any risk of them really missing the playoffs, even though they were out of the playoffs for some at some points. But this is a team that sorely underperformed the Nashville Predators. So you've got a team, two teams that essentially disappointed their fan base, but here they are playing each other. One of them is going to get to the, what do we call it? Just the quarterfinals. I guess that's what we're Uh, calling it. The the
1: actual playoffs. Yes. Yes. We'll
0: (laughs) call it the quarterfinals. I guess this is the, uh, this is, this is the play in the qualifying round. And then the first round is the quarterfinals. So, uh, one of these teams will make it in. Let's start at the goaltending position. Uh, let's go. Let's go with the Nashville Predators.
1: All right. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think you know who's back there. Pecker and a he's the guy they're going to go to. Um, you know, unfortunately, kind of had in like most of these predators here a sort of disappointing season. Um, you know, only 18 wins and 8.95 save percentage, the worst of his career. 3.17 goals against. Obviously. Uh, those numbers aren't going to cut it for any team as a starter. But, um, you know, they've got UC Sorrows back there who's, who's shown he can be a capable goaltender through 40 games, 9-14 and 2.7 goals against. So they've got a guy, I think, that obviously they want to be their future. For, but for right now, uh, it's clear that Peck Rene is their goaltender. We've seen him do it in the playoffs many times. Uh, you know, he can, much like Henry Lundquist, can put this team on his back and sort of drag them through a round or two. So we'll see if he can get it done again. Um, you know, obviously hasn't got the ultimate prize, but um, this should be an interesting—I don't want to call it swan song for him as well. But I think he is—he's opened the door and sort of stepping out. So um, you know, not too many—not too many more games left for this guy. So we'll see if he can't maybe put some sort of miracle together and uh, you know, put together a good playoff run here.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's really struggled the last two years in the playoffs. Uh, he's allowed 52 goals in 19 games, uh, in, in his last 19 games, uh, and that's through two years of the playoffs. So he's allowed more than three goals a game over that that stretch. Uh, Nashville hasn't made it out of the second round since 2016-17 when, of course, he took them to the finals and was absolutely fantastic uh, with a 196 goals against average and 93 save percentage. Uh, hasn't really had other playoff runs like that maybe one other one in 2011 uh, 12 when Nashville went to the second round but they it, it seems to me like Pekka Rene, this this is probably going to be it for Pekka Rene in my mind i mean yes he has one more year left on his contract it, it, the next year is going to be like juicy saros is getting the majority of the starts or at least he's you know he's going to get 41 starts Somewhere around there, you, you gotta go and see if this guy is somebody that you can rely on. And I think that if Pekarene has one bad game in the playoffs, they'll they'll turn to Soros. They have to. In, yeah, in a five absolutely. game series, you have no choice.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the, the leashes are short. There is no doubt about it. And when you look on the flip side, right? We we kind of had the opposite for the Arizona Coyotes. We've got two goaltenders in Antti Rotten and Darcy Kempner who have been playing phenomenal right? They, great numbers. Um, unfortunately, neither one of these guys really have any playoff experience. Uh, you know, auntie Rana, his only playoff experience in 15, 16 with the Rangers only played three games. And then of course, Darcy Kepner, uh, got three years of playoffs in, but only a total of nine games with the Minnesota wild through 2012 and 2015. So not much experience, but I think given uh, that this was Kepner's team towards the end of the year, I think he's the guy to go to right now, but yeah, Um, you know, again, you've got two great goaltenders, two good options, and you can't go wrong with either one, I don't think.
0: Yeah, and you know the, the other when you have a when you're a team like Arizona, I think Dallas is sort of in a similar position. I I think there's several teams in the league right now that maybe these five games they're going and saying to their goaltenders, Hey, look, like we're gonna we're gonna play you on night one and we're gonna play you on night two and we're just gonna see who has like who looks ready. I mean, I think there's there's a chance that these guys might split time through the first two games. There's, I think there's a chance. Uh, the other side of it would be that you know you, you just you might need to just pick a guy and and run with him because it's so short. But uh, it'll be interesting to see the strategy. You know, I, I think you might have some guys who who are happy to to share the net. They've been sharing the net all year, so why stop now? Uh, but there there are. Of course that that mindset of all right it's playoff time you give the net to one goalie and one goalie only uh, but it's just worked so well in the regular season that I don't know if you need to do that because you have two fantastic goalies in Arizona.
1: Yeah, I think if you if you come out and you win game 1 if you're Arizona, I think why not right? Give it a try if if maybe, you know, Darcy Kepler doesn't play too good but he plays all right. You know, you can easily go, okay, well, let's, hey, let's give Rotten a try and see if he does any better. See if he maybe really is, comes in hot and, and, and is looking like he's ready to steal this, this series. So maybe you, you know, again, if you win game one and have that opportunity, why not, right? Cause you mentioned that you've been doing it all year long. You've had these goaltenders splitting the net all year. So why not roll with what's worked for you all year?
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's move forward. Let's, uh, I, I would say, last, last thought about the goaltenders. Who, who are you thinking has we think in Arizona probably has that advantage and goal?
1: Yeah, I would probably give it to him just based on the play that I've seen from this season. Um, I mean, any other year I might would probably say Peck Renee, but he just has not looked anywhere near like himself this season. And so for right now, and this might be a good thing for Renee too, you know, this, this long restart is maybe given an opportunity to really, you know, refocus, get some rest and say, okay, I'm going to go out there and play a little differently or try some new things. And, Maybe hit the restart button.
0: Okay. Uh, Now, I think some of the reason that goaltending is so good, especially for the Arizona Coyotes, is not just their defense, as in the six guys who play on the back end. I think it's just a a total team defense. Like They are committed to playing a certain way. They don't give up a lot of opportunities, and that results in their goaltenders having very good statistics. And so I'm wondering... When it comes to defense now, when we look at these two teams, obviously Nashville has the best defenseman as well as probably the best player in this whole series in Roman Yosi. Absolutely, yeah.
1: I, I can't disagree with you more. I think he obviously is going to be the go-to guy for either team uh, when you talk about the number one shutdown D. Um, and he's going to he's going to easily see 25 minutes a game. I mean, he led this team in points. He led this team in basically everything. And there's a reason why you still get whispers of him being considered not only for a Norris, but for, you know, a, a Hart trophy right now. And so uh, he, what he's meant to this team is incredible. He's obviously just such a good quality defenseman. It's, it's going to be no surprise, even if I see him playing 30 minutes a game. Yeah,
0: that, yeah, nobody nobody shocked when he plays that much. I mean, I, then you compound it the fact that you also have Ryan Ellis, you also have Matthias Ekholm. Uh, this team is very top heavy on defense, but they are fantastic. Uh, maybe after after those three guys, it kind of starts to to waver a little bit. But you could almost put anyone you want with Roman Yossi, and it doesn't really matter. Uh, he's just that dominant. Uh, I'd say though that the Carolina or that the Arizona Coyotes have maybe a little bit better depth, but definitely not the same high end. Like Oliver Ekman Larson, very good defenseman, not Roman Yossi. Uh, Nicholas Jalmerson having a better year this year, definitely not Ryan Ellis. And Goligoski is definitely <laughs> not at home. Although Goligoski, he's he's got lots of experience. He's I believe he's won a cup, right? He won a cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins, right?
1: I believe so. Back in, New uh,
0: yeah, he did. Uh, so I mean you, you have some nice experience on this and, and Jason Demurs to a to a lesser extent. Uh, but I think when you consider the defense as a whole, this this has to be the the portion where Nashville needs to dominate. Because Arizona's gonna play this great team defense. Uh Nashville Nashville is somewhat committed to that as well, but it's it really comes down to the play of their defense as opposed to where Arizona is a little bit more of a, like a full team effort when it comes to defense.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously, you know, you look at Arizona, one guy they're going to have back two that's going to even make that defense a little bit more formidable is uh, Jacob Chicker And he should be healthy and ready to go. But when, when you look at the way Arizona plays a team defensive game, what I'm excited to see is do they let, you know, the leashes go on guys like taylor hall and phil kessel and say go out there and score some goals because these are two guys you know they definitely brought in because they you know have not had a lot of playoff success when it comes to scoring goals and so um you know this team obviously is trying to beat you two to one but i think it'll be interesting to see especially in a five game series do they let guys like kessel and hall get the opportunity to go out there and maybe try to put a couple more pucks in the back of the net
0: yeah uh I mean and other guys that I that I look to as well. I mean, you've got Clayton Keller who only scored seventeen goals this year. Uh again, like I mean, the guy just got paid seven million dollars and he got forty four <laughs> points, forty seven the year before. I mean, he went from having a sixty five point rookie season and twenty three goals, and he's only had thirty one goals in his last hundred and fifty two games. Uh this is I mean, Clayton Stop Keller is someone who, like, we've got to see something different from him. I mean, it's not for a lack of trying to set him in the right position. I mean, he's got offensive zone starts. In the last two years, he's started his offensive zone starts 66.8 and 62.5% the last two years. Uh, I mean, it's it's not for a lack of putting him in the right spot. He's just really, he's not, not producing, and it's not even a uh, – it's not a shooting percentage issue either. I mean, he's shooting he shot ten point eight percent in twenty seventeen, eighteen. He shot nine point two percent this last year, seven percent last year, so or uh the year before. So maybe that's a down year, but nine point two percent, I mean, you're just not shooting enough if if that's the case. I mean, he's he's an above average shooter, but he's just not shooting enough. He only have seventeen goals. He might have had eighteen or nineteen if we had gone the full season, but uh, I, I'm looking, and Clayton Keller's going to need to score some goals. Kessel has to score goals. I mean, he's been he's been atrocious for this team. Uh, not to mention, Taylor Hall hasn't exactly lit up the lamp since getting there. I mean, Kessel only scored 14 goals, uh, whereas you know, Taylor Hall, after coming over from New Jersey, he's got 10 goals in 35 games. So a little bit better than than Kessel, but. And that's that's where you that's the difference, right? Is Kessel, Hall, and Keller. There's your highest paid players. At least starting next year, I know. I uh, think <laughs> Keller's only paid eight hundred eighty five thousand this year, but uh, if those guys can't produce, you're not going to win this series.
1: Yeah, and you know, part of me obviously wonders if Arizona is planning on trying to get because this has been the biggest issue in Arizona for so long is their lack of a number one center, right? And so you wonder if maybe they're paying teller to say hey you know we're going to give you this money because we think once we get a center we're going to you're going to explode and then it's going to be a bargain on our part but at the same time what about right now you know right, obviously right. you're paying a guy to score right now and uh as highly touted as he was he's just he hasn't really lived up to the hype especially coming out of that rookie season where he just sort of exploded out of the gate and then sort of slowed down so um but you talk about disappointments and then i i, I shift our focus over to nashville now and i look at all these, these big names they have at the fourth position, Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, you know, Michael Granlund. Uh, you could even throw a guy like Kyle Turris' name in there. And none of these guys on this team have cracked the 50-point mark this season. The only guy on the team to do it is Roman Yossi. It's your defenseman. And, <laughs> your defenseman,
0: yeah. And, 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 you gotta, and as a defenseman, the only players that have scored more goals than him, Philip Forsberg, Nick Benino, Craig Smith, and Michael Granlund.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you have one twenty goal scorer on this team, in Philip Forsberg, and it's, and that that's where you look at, it, right? You look at a team, and granted, I know they, yes, they've they swapped coaches a season and everything like that, but still, you know, for a team that has so many high end, you know, star power names up front, I expect a lot more from this team, and so that's going to be the the biggest concern for me if I'm the National Predators, is what team are you going to get? Are you going to get, you know, the team from a couple years ago where you said these guys are Stanley Cup favorites, or? Are you gonna get the team of today that I just look at I'm like, I don't know if they're gonna get out of this, this preliminary round.
0: Yeah, so. I mean you know, I don't think you have to look further than a guy like Victor Arvidson who went from back to back sixty one point seasons. He averaged thirty goals a year between those two years, and and then even last year he scores thirty four goals in fifty eight games, and then this year in fifty seven games, he has fifteen goals. Yeah, I, I everything's know he, down for I, this team. I, I know he was a little banged up. He has been a little bit banged up since uh, since the end of last year. I right? think he hurt his knee, All right. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but I, I know that he he got hurt. So maybe this is exactly what Victor Arvidsson needs, is this time off to, to fully recover from whatever's going on. Uh, he has to score goals for Nashville. They, I mean – the guy was a 30 a 30 goal scorer basically 3 years in a row outside of a 29 goal goal season Went in there uh they they have to put up points i'd say philip forsberg well he didn't put up a ton of points him and he he was fine in four, 63 games 48 points i mean he was on pace for a 60 point season it's not great but it's not horrible whereas i mean arvidson you know you're on pace for less than 40 points Ryan Johansson, you're, you're on pace for 45 points.
1: <laughs>
0: Duchesne, Duchesne, the guy you just signed to bring in that extra offense from the center position, he only had 42 points. So, I mean, you're looking at maybe a 50-point season. Uh, but I, I just feel like, the man, that's, that's not what you were looking for at all. I mean, Duchesne went and had 70 points the year before, and he's here and he's barely scratching the surface of 50. That's just not gonna cut it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I think this will be it'll be interesting because Nashville is loaded down the center position with guys like, you know, Johansson Duchesne, Benino, Kyle Turris. So they've you know, Michael Granlund even playing the wings right now can can play center, but you know, they've got options there. So if guys aren't cutting it, they can they can mix a match guys really quick. So um, you know, it's, and of course when Yeah, and then when you talk about know special teams is another area to look at as well too you know nashville's been at the bottom for both penalty kill i think power play they were 25th penalty kill they were 29th and so arizona has a golden opportunity on special teams if they can get something going obviously they they know how to kill penalties in arizona but their power play was middle of the pack at best and so uh they could really take advantage of a team that just hasn't cut it on special teams either
0: yeah absolutely i mean now i'll say the one the one shining part for the predators has been nick bonino actually i mean. Benino, he was on pace to have his best year in seven years. Uh, he was he would have likely scored twenty goals. He might have beat his career best. His career best is twenty two. He scored eighteen in sixty seven games. Uh, so I, I think Nick Benino is in a good spot. Like he kind of had a couple. He he didn't play as well last year, especially the first year that he was in Nashville, where he only had twenty five points. Uh, granted, I know in the playoffs he he did okay 2 years ago but and and he does have the 2 Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh so i think he is somebody to to take a look at and go he's having a better year this year he's maybe found his place in Nashville maybe he i mean he, he already has been shifted up the lineup because Kyle Turris couldn't really get anything done and was benched at some different points and so i i think Benino might be your your like unknown secret weapon if if he can come in and, and make a difference. Since Arizona really doesn't have a lot of depth up the middle, a guy like Benino might get some opportunities. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's uh, give me your prediction for this series. What's going to happen?
1: Yeah, this one's going to be interesting. I think I'm going to have to go Arizona with an upset, if you want to call it that, uh, in five games.
0: Okay. Uh, I think... That the Nashville Predators are going to pull this one out. I think that Roman Yossi is the great equalizer. He is the best player in this series by a long shot. And I, I don't think that Nashville wins once they make it to the the quarterfinals of these playoffs. But I do think Arizona, well, they you know they've got some nice pieces, it just hasn't really looked like everyone fits. And I don't think a long break is just going to make that better. So I think the Nashville Predators are going to win this one. I'll just I'll say in four games. And and by the way, these teams went one and one against each other, so we don't really have anything to work off there. (laughs) (laughs) So all right, well that is your six eleven preview. Uh, On the next show, we'll we'll hop jump right ahead to the what the seven ten. 710 I gotta keep having to make sure that I'm saying the right numbers uh, we'll jump ahead to the 710s so so stay tuned for that and continue following us on Twitter actually side note little like hey here's a little update we now have a website you can go to othockeytalk.com uh, that has all of our show and, and information on there too so if you're not sure which social media platform you want to follow us on just go to othockeytalk.com Justin any final thoughts for our listeners? Uh,
1: no, none whatsoever.
0: Okay. All right. (laughs) Great. Great. Okay. Well, we'll talk to you guys soon and stay safe out there.